0: Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Independence Day weekend. as we celebrate this Tuesday, I want to encourage you, it is time to celebrate. We should celebrate. We have a reason to celebrate. Now I know that, that many times I don't know, is anybody, are anybody's neighbors already celebrating? Anybody just a little tired this morning because your neighbors were celebrating? Maybe you are that neighbor. <laughs> we should celebrate. Because I know it would be easy for each one of us to come up with a list of of things that aren't right, aren't as, as they should be in, in our country today. It would be easy to come up with that list. But we can also come up with a list of the good, of the things that should be celebrated. And I believe that when we have an opportunity to celebrate, we should celebrate. We should absolutely celebrate. It's not ignoring that there are things that need to get better, and it's not saying that everything is great. But we need to celebrate. One of the reasons why I believe we need to celebrate is because we live in what I think we could call a dark world. And we talk about this idea of light versus dark a lot, that we live in a world that that seems to be a dark world. When we talk about light versus dark, that that metaphor transcends all kinds of cultural barriers and time. Uh, If we look in ancient literature, it's there. If we look in modern uh, classics and things that will last forever like Star Wars, it is there. My son Colton has gotten big into Star Wars. I was not into Star Wars as a kid. But because of that, I've been watching the movies with him. And as you watch Star Wars, I, I, I need him to tell me, okay, who is this? What's going on? What's going on? But one I thing I can catch on to, the bad guys are the dark side. I think that's interesting, that the bad guys are the dark side. We know this idea of light versus dark, good versus evil. And I don't think I have to twist anybody's arm really to, to help us see that we live in a world that at times we would describe as dark, as dark. There are things that go on in our world that, that we aren't sure why they happen and why is this darkness going on? As I said, it transcends all kinds of cultures and time because we find this light versus dark in the pages of scripture time and time again. In fact, yet last week, Pastor Kent began our I Am message series where we're looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. He began this by looking at Moses and a light experience that Moses had. And so as we continue in this series, I think we should just start right there with Moses because I saw something in, in scripture as I was studying for this that got me really excited. And I probably should save it for the end, but I'm gonna share it right now. And I hope you're ready. I hope you've had enough caffeine in you because I got really excited about this and I hope you can get excited about it too. So last week, Moses. Moses has this encounter at, here's his light moment, the burning bush. God meets Moses in a burning bush. And in that bush, God introduces himself as I am, as Yahweh, the self-existent relational God. And in that burning bush moment, Moses is learning who God is. But this week, here's where we're going to go from there. So Moses learns who God is, and that's where we get the I am statements later on in John. But Moses learns who God is, and God calls Moses to do something. The Israelites, the people of God, are slaves in Egypt. And so God wants Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, out of slavery into the promised land, the land that God has for them. And I'm fast forwarding over a whole lot of really interesting stuff. But Moses eventually gets permission from Pharaoh to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And shortly after they begin to go out of Egypt, God begins to lead the people in a really interesting and unique way. We find this in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, where it says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or by night. So God is leading his people by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. And God would lead the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness each and every day as this pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire at night. Hit the fast forward button 1400 years later. Jesus is on the scene now. Jesus is on the scene and it is time for the Festival of Tabernacles. The Festival of Tabernacles is one of the three major feasts for the people of Israel. And and they they would pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And this festival, the Festival of Tabernacles, had really two purposes. One, it was part of of, uh, the harvest. It was the end of harvest. So they would be celebrating God's faithfulness in the harvest. But it was also a time of remembering God's faithfulness in the wilderness, those 40 years in the wilderness where God led them by the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire at night. In fact, they had a, a, a ceremony during the Festival of Tabernacles that reminded them of this pillar of fire. In the evening, they would light these giant candelabras that were way up high in the temple courts. And as they would light these, they would be reminded of this pillar of fire that led them. And, and tradition says that the, the light would light up the white stone walls of Jerusalem. Walls and streets that were normally in dark would have this light coming from the temple. And it's actually right there in that context, at the end of the festival of tabernacles, The lights may still even be on when Jesus steps forward and says this in John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. In the middle of this ceremony, of this this festival, when they're celebrating God's faithfulness to lead them by the pillar of fire, here's what's going on. The pillar of fire was the presence of God in the midst of the people of God. Jesus is stepping forward and saying, I am the presence of God in the midst of the people of God. The pillar of fire led the people out of slavery in Egypt into freedom in the promised land. Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world who will lead all the world out of slavery to sin into freedom in him. That's great news, church. That got me excited this week. That got me excited. I have friends who will say, well, we should just probably read the, the New Testament because that's, that's where Jesus is. Jesus is all over the pages of this book. Jesus will be pointed to time and time again. If you will open this thing up, you will find amazing truths in there. That Jesus is the light of the world. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. John shares these, these I am statements because he wants us to really be able to answer this question. Who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? And today we're looking at Jesus is the light of the world. But if we're going to talk about light, I think we need to have a little bit of something about darkness. Because this this idea of light versus dark, good versus evil, understanding versus confusion. I want to define darkness for you. Darkness is not a thing. Darkness is the absence of something. Darkness is simply the absence of light darkness itself has no real power darkness itself is just the absence of light but we serve a God who scripture describes as light so if God is light then darkness isn't just the absence of something it's the absence of someone darkness is the absence of God this light versus dark good versus evil and so what does it mean for us today though Like One of my favorite uh, pastor mentors, he would always, he would tell us, here's what the Bible says, and then he'd say, so what? So what? What does it matter to us? What difference does it make? I have three points that I think uh, the difference that this makes for us. Point number one, that Jesus, as the light of the world, gives us, one, a way of seeing. A way of seeing, because in the midst of the darkness, we need the light of Jesus to help us See. We live in a world where maybe you've heard this idea. Well, that's your truth. That's your truth. This is my truth. We can all just kind of have our big lump of truths that don't all work together. That's your truth. That works great as long as you're the only person on the planet. If there's more than one person, though, we've got a problem, right? Your truth, my truth, it doesn't, doesn't jive. That's confusion. Anybody else see a lot of confusion in the world we live in? Confusion, living in darkness. That the light of Jesus will help us to see clearly, to see things from a different perspective. There are many different applications of this, but I think I want to make two this morning. That, that Jesus is the light of the world, gives us a way of seeing ourselves, our identity, and also the world around us. Here's the example. We're going to be back and forth between Exodus and John a lot. So just hold on tight. In Exodus chapter 14. So God has been leading the people of Israel through the wilderness by the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. But Pharaoh decides, you know, we just let all of our good slave labor leave. That wasn't a great idea on my part. Let's go get them back. So Pharaoh pursues the Israelites and we have this happen in chapter 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up. Jesus gives us a way of seeing. Jesus is the light of, of the world, gives us a way of seeing, but the Israelites are not seeing that way yet. They've just come out of captivity, out of slavery, and all they know is what they have experienced. And so they go back to what they know and their fear, and they go back to that idea of, no, you know what? We shouldn't have ever left. We should have just stayed slaves. We should have just been happy with where we were. We should have just stayed slaves in Egypt. I wonder for us, If you're a follower of Jesus, how many times something happens in our lives and we have been set free from bondage, but yet we kind of go back to it? Because uh, who am I? Who am I to receive God's forgiveness? No, we have to begin to see through the eyes of what God says about us. What identity has God given you? God did not tell the Israelites that they would have been better off in captivity, and He's not telling you you'd be better off in captivity either. He calls you, as we just sang about, his child. You're an overcomer. So Jesus gives us a way of seeing ourselves. Jesus also gives us a way of seeing the world around us. In John, when Jesus is declaring himself as the light of the world, there is a bunch of confusion over who Jesus is. They've seen the miracles. They've heard him teaching. And for some, they're saying, This is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. And for others, mostly the religious leaders, they're saying, I don't think this is the right guy. In chapter 7, it says that the people were divided because of Jesus. But some did believe. And in chapter 8, verse 31, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's still for today, by the way. If you hold to his teaching, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him. They, this could be the people who believed him, but I'm, I'm thinking this is the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders. They answered him. We are Abraham's descendants and have never, never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Time out. They have never been slaves to anyone. These are the same people who are descendants of the ones who were slaves in Egypt. Not only that, at the time they are saying that they have never been slaves to anyone, they are in Jerusalem, under Roman rule. Under what delusion are they living? They have believed some lies or something's going on. But see, what's going on here is that, that Jesus isn't talking about a physical captivity. Jesus is speaking of a spiritual reality that they are slaves to sin, that Jesus helps us see as the light of the world, helps us to see the world around us, that it's not just what we see with our eyes, that there is a spiritual realm around us. They aren't seeing that in this passage. For example, that person that you work with or go to school with who drives you up the wall, Jesus teaches us that we are to love them. That addict on the street corner, we are to see as having been made in the image of God. Jesus is the light of the world, gives us a way of seeing. But Jesus is the light of the world, also gives us, point number two, a way of going. A way of going, because in a dark world, we need the light to guide us in our going. My wife Kelly and I were in Mexico a while back and did you know that Mexico and the United States have very different rules regulating the safety of vehicles? I learned that because the vehicle that we were in on the way from the airport to where we were staying would never pass safety regulations here. It was nighttime and I thought it would be really nice if our driver would turn on his lights. And I leaned forward and about two feet in front of the car was a little strip of light on the road. And I thought that is the most ridiculous thing. He turned on his brights and it might've gone three feet out. It was ridiculous. How dangerous was that? I was glad he knew the way he was going. I mean, we kind of do the same thing. I don't know how many times I've come in this room and I'll stand in that back corner and I'll think, I don't need to turn the lights on. I'm just going up to the far front corner. There are only 400 to 700 chairs in here at any one time. Surely I can navigate this, right? We all do that kind of thing. We need the light because walking in the darkness, walking, going, moving in a dark world can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. But here is the thing about walking and seeing and the light there's a difference between seeing and going there's a difference between seeing something lit up the way lit up and actually going in that way you and i have a choice we have a choice in this matter first john puts it this way in first john chapter 1 verse 5 this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you god is light In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. To walk in the light as he is in the light, to walk in the light. That is what we've been called to do. That's what we've been given the opportunity to do. That Jesus is the light of the world, gives us a way of going. But here's what I see oftentimes in my own life and maybe even in the, no, yes, in the lives of others. As we follow Jesus, there's this little bit of, I wanna live in the light and a little bit in the, not darkness, shadows, just shadows, not, not the dark, just the shadow. A little bit of light. A little bit less light. It's the, I know what the word says, but this is a whole lot more convenient and this just works in the world today a lot better than what the word says. It's the, this is what the word says and I know this is the way I'm supposed to go and I wanna sing the songs and I wanna pray the prayers, but at the same time, that, that coarse joking and that little bit of gossip is just kind of fun or that little vice that nobody needs to know about. A little bit of light and a little bit of dark. And this is hard. This is is a hard truth. And this is hard for me to even share because it's not fun to share. But we can't live that way. That's being double-minded. We have to choose. Are we going to live in the light or are we going to live in the dark? If you look at creation, the very beginning of the book in Genesis 1 verse 4, the very first thing God does before he begins to form the mountains and scoop out the oceans, he separates the light from the dark. And in order for God to do what he wants to do in and through your life, he has to separate the light from the dark. We have to choose which way we're gonna go. Are we gonna walk in the light as he is in the light or are we going to go back into the dark? But I wonder if, we might have a knowledge of it, but I wonder if we sometimes struggle with knowing how God is going to treat our sin. Because the idea of what has been done in the dark will be revealed in the light is absolutely terrifying, right? And we wonder, how is God going to handle this? 1 John 1, verse seven, I just read it. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. God wants to do that for you. God wants to purify you from all sin. Will you walk in the light? Because the thing about the light is that that darkness can't exist in that light. And we know that our lives, that life thrives in the light. Life does not do well in the dark. We were made to live and walk in the light. For the people of Israel, they spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness, in the desert. And for those 40 years, day after day, God led them, the cloud, cloud, the fire, he led them each and every day. If you read the Exodus, God was given so many opportunities by the Israelites to leave. The Israelites complained. They did the wrong thing. They worshiped other gods. They did all these things and God never left them and he will not leave you either. He never left them. It's important that we choose to walk in the light as he is in the light because not only does the light of Jesus give us a way of seeing and a way of going but the light of Jesus gives us a way of going a way of going because you and I father of Jesus are called to shine the light of Jesus in a dark world Matthew Matthew 5 puts it this way Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. With all due respect to President Reagan... The United States is not the light of the world, the city on the hill. You are a follower of Jesus. We are the church. We are the light of the world, not as Jesus is. Jesus is the light of the world in that he is the savior. We don't have our own source of light and Jesus is our source. In many ways, we're like the moon reflecting the sun, that we are meant to live in the light, to walk in the light and reflect the light of Jesus. That's why that obedience thing is so important because if you're not walking in the light, you're not reflecting anything. I took this picture of the Moon uh, on the beach. I loved this picture. That moon has no light source in of itself. The source of light is the sun. But you know what that moon does? It changes the tide. The gravitational pull of the moon changes the tide of the ocean. You and I, follower of Jesus Church, we can change the tide of the world we live in if we will shine the light of Jesus. We can change the tide. What an awesome opportunity that is. Like Truly, that Jesus would say, hey, you, all of you, you get the opportunity in the midst of a dark world to shine this light of Jesus. It's also a little bit intimidating, isn't it? And what I love about God is he doesn't just say, okay, now it's your turn, go shine. No, God does something, he gives us something. In fact, he gives us more than something. He gives us someone, the Holy Spirit, to help us. In Acts chapter 2, we read that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filling the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. I see a theme emerging here. Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. John chapter 16 says that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you. You're not on your own in this. We're not on our own in this. We have the opportunity to shine the light of Jesus in the midst of the darkness. And that's good news because Jesus is the light of the world and he gives us a way of seeing seeing ourselves and seeing the world around us he gives us a way of going he lights the way if we will walk in the light as he is in the light and if we will do that he gives us a way of showing of showing his light his love to the world but the darkness can be overwhelming can't it The darkness can feel overwhelming. Even though darkness is simply the absence of light, it's overwhelming. Uh, Over spring break, my family, we went to Stratica. And I've experienced this at a few different other things, cave tours and whatnot. But at Stratica, I'm not gonna try to spoil it, but I might a little bit. At one point in the tour, they turn all the lights out and you are put into essentially just complete darkness. And I've experienced this before, but every single time it's a little startling. Like your body, it's, it's like something in your body says this is not right. You can't see, you, and, and even just the way you feel the world around you, you just feels strange, doesn't it? Because darkness can feel overwhelming. Perhaps it's because we were not designed for the darkness. We were made for the light. But that darkness feels overwhelming. And sometimes as we look around the world, we can get overwhelmed by the darkness we see in the world. We can get uh, overwhelmed and start to feel like maybe we just need to retreat to our little hiding spot. But I want to remind you in John 1, verse 5, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not, cannot, and will not overcome it. The darkness will not overcome the light In fact, in the dark, the lights shine the brightest. I loved 4th of July as a kid, mostly because I loved blowing things up. But you can only blow up with firecrackers so many pop cans and so many anthills and so many other things before you really are ready to get to the nighttime stuff, right? Because that's the cool stuff. And I don't know how many times we would start the nighttime stuff a little too early because we just wanted to get to the stuff. give me the good stuff. But we know That if we wait until it's dark, that light that lights up the sky is extra bright. I've heard some try to argue that maybe we live in the darkest time the world has ever seen. Maybe it's darker than it's ever been. I don't know that it is. I don't really care if it is or not. All I know is that it's dark. And guess what? In the midst of the darkness, the light has the opportunity to shine brighter than ever. Church, we have this great opportunity. That's why we talk about being for unleashing compassion. We want to see people experience the light and love of Jesus. And that's not just when we as a church do something. I know it's summer. And I know that that for many of you, you're traveling, you're joining in online. That's awesome. I know it's summer. But sometimes we start to take a a break from our our walk with the Lord in the summer. It's like, oh, it's summertime. I'm just going to step back a little bit. Don't do that. Let's shine the light, even in the midst of the summer. Shine that light of Jesus, church. Shine it, because in the midst of the darkness, that's when we can really see the light. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I believe one of the best questions we can ever ask after we read scripture or, or whatever we're doing, at the end of a day, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And that's not to say that you're going to hear an audible voice. But I believe if you ask Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? That you will something will will have stuck out to you. Something in the word, something in something that was said or prayed or sung that, that God says, Oh, that right there. Lean into that. Maybe it's in in seeing, in seeing something in a new way. Maybe it's in going. That you need to walk in the light and turn from sin, but maybe it's also in the showing. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. This isn't because we want to have some sort of emotional manipulative moment. I just want you to have an opportunity to ask that question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Holy Spirit. What are you saying to us today? King Jesus, you are the light of the world. You have given us the opportunity to not just be in the midst of darkness, in the midst of confusion, but to, to come into your glorious light. You have called us out of darkness. You have taken us from slavery and bondage and sin to freedom. Lord, would you help us to walk in that freedom today? Would you help us to walk with an awareness of where we need to take that next step? Lord, we confess that, that, that oftentimes obedience comes before understanding. We want to understand every step before we take it. But God, sometimes you call us to take that step and then we'll understand and take that step and take that step. And we may not even understand then, but you don't give us the understanding before you tell us to be obedient to you. And so Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage, the faith to take that next step. Jesus name we pray all this Jesus the light of the world amen and maybe as we've been going through this you know that you're living in the darkness maybe you feel like oh I, I I know that darkness because I'm there right now and what the Holy Spirit has been doing for you has been drawing you to Jesus the Holy Spirit has been drawing you to Jesus long before you even realized it that God has been drawing you, calling to you. Today can be, this Independence Day weekend can be the day that you are independent from sin to find true freedom in Jesus. There's a great promise at the beginning of John 1. It says the true life that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, Jesus. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You may feel like the only one. In times, shining the light of Jesus, you might feel like the only one. You are not the only one. You might feel that way though. But never forget that he has given you the opportunity to become his child. And so if that's you today and you need to follow Jesus, you're ready to make that decision, we're gonna say a prayer together that we say nearly every week. And we're gonna say this prayer and we're gonna believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And if you do that, Scripture says you will be saved. So I wanna invite you to stand as we pray this together. Let's repeat, I'll, I'll say it, you can repeat the line after me. We're all gonna say this together as a declaration of faith. We say, Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world that He gave His life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life I receive your grace by faith come into my life I will follow you A. If you did pray that prayer, you just went from death to life, from slavery to freedom on this Independence Day weekend. I'm proud of you.